for the love of goats. We are talking about everything goat. Whether you're a goat owner, a breeder, or just a fan of these wonderful creatures, we've got you covered. And now, here's Deborah Neiman. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode. I am really excited and honored today to be joined by Dr. Sandra Baxendell from Brisbane, Queensland, Australia, who is a goat vet, which is pretty exciting to me. It's so hard to find vets who see goats, and she specializes in goats. And she came to my attention because she has a page on Facebook called Let's Eradicate CAE from Australian Goats. And that is a super exciting idea to me. And so the first, as soon as I saw it, I thought, oh my goodness, I have to get her on the podcast so we can talk about CAE. So welcome to the show today, Dr. Baxendell. Yep, I'm pleased to be here. Thank you so much for joining us today. So just to get started, I imagine we have some listeners who don't know what CAE is or know why they should care about it. So could you just give us a, you know, let us know what is it and why should people care and what does it do to your goats? Well, first of all, CAE stands for caprine arthritis encephalitis. And um, it used to be known by its common name, which was big knees. And as you can imagine from the term, the most common clinical signs are just enlarged knees or arthritis, or it is actually a periarthritis. So it's bony outgrowths around the carpal joints or the knees. And then that develops into arthritis, spreads to other joints, causes wasting, Um, and a a range of other clinical signs. So it's a virus. There is no treatment and there is no vaccine. So that's why it's very important to try and eradicate it both from your herds and to follow the example of Norway and eradicate it from your country. That's really exciting to know that Norway has been able to eradicate it. I know, and then I think in the 1970s in the United States, it was the majority of goats that were tested had it. And I I think from what I've read on your page, it sounds like Australia got in pretty much the same situation. Yes. In the late 1970s, 1980s, it was rampant in the dairy goat population. And that's because people didn't know how it was spread. And so a lot of uh, dairy goat farms removed the kids from their mothers and fed their kids on bulk milk. And that just meant if you had one carrier in your herd, you infected all the kids that year. And so that's why it spread so rapidly. Wow, that's terrible. And so one of the other things too, I take a quick step back. Don't goats also tend to have problems with their udder um, in the later stages of CAE? Yeah, so there's a range of clinical signs. So the clinical signs most commonly are the arthritis or the big knees. They also have wasting. They they get very, very skinny. They have what's called hard udder. Now, it's a very specific form of mastitis. It occurs from the first lactation and these goats look like they've got a lot of milk, but when you feel the udder, the udder feels like two smooth rocks inside this skin-like bag 
And the only areas of the udder that aren't rock hard are the teats. And the milk production is measured in teaspoonfuls. So very, very severe mastitis. The other form that you can get is the pneumonia form. And so this is where the, the lungs just almost become solid. And these poor animals have such great difficulty breathing that they spend all their effort breathing and they just waste away because they can't really eat properly because they're just concentrating on breathing. So they have to be destroyed once they get to that stage. The other thing that you can find sometimes is enlarged bursa, either um, around the carpal joint or the knees, but also at the back of the head and on top of the shoulders. There's a little bursa there that helps the tendon smooth over the bone and they can be enlarged. So they're the clinical signs. There's the encephalitic form, which is basically more common in kids, though it has been recorded in adults. And these are a whole range of nervous signs. And these animals uh, have to be destroyed uh, within weeks because they're just um, too bad. Wow. That's, it's, it's such a sad disease because for the most part, it's, it's not going to just kill the animals. It's just going to make them so sick and debilitated and everything. Like, as you've mentioned several times that basically the owners ultimately wind up just putting down the animals because they're in such bad shape. Yeah. Not all animals um, will develop clinical signs. They estimate somewhere between a a half and a third of positive animals that have the virus will have clinical signs. But um, it depends on the viral load, both the virus numbers within the particular goat and also the virus numbers within the herd. And what we saw in the 1970s, 1980s is the herds would just get so many carriers and have such large amounts of virus circulating that they basically crashed. So you'd see a whole range of clinical signs, the wasting, a few lung conditions, a few heart udders, and the majority of animals after their first lactation would be developing the enlarged carpal joints. So it's a function both of how long the goat lives before it shows signs and also the amount of virus both within that goat and also within the herd. So even though not all of your animals are going to die from it or even show symptoms, the, the big problem is that those asymptomatic animals can be infecting all of their kids and any kid who tries to nurse off of them. And, and not only nursing, the, the virus itself is actually in the monocytes and in the macrophages, which are types of white blood cells. So... It's not just milk. Milk and colostrum are full of white blood cells, but so is uh, vaginal mucus at estrus. Um, so is the blood that's discharged after kidding. The saliva has amounts of uh, white blood cells in it. The respiratory secretions have white blood cells in it. So these are all methods of spread. You can actually spread it if you're using, say, an automatic vaccination gun and spreading it via the needle. 
poking it in, under the skin of one animal and then going to the next to vaccinate them. Tattoo pliers can also spread it because they can get blood on the tattoo pliers. So there's all different ways that CAE can be spread. Okay. So if you have a goat that is just walking around out there in the pasture and surprises you by giving birth, and if other goats come over and start licking off her kid, they're ingesting blood and mucus and everything that can infect them. That's right. Okay. So, so to keep animals, um, if you've got some carrier animals which have tested positive, you've got to keep them behind two fences or a solid wall. So the majority of herds in the 1970s, 1980s, they managed their CAE, managed to eradicate it by snatch birthing the kids. So they did things like putting T-shirts on the goats with their hind legs through the armholes and tying the T-shirt at the front of the, the goat's uh, brisket. Or they put um, gaffer tape or elastoplast on the teats to make sure even if they missed the kidding, the kids weren't going to get a drink. So they did all these things and then they raised those kids in isolation and they have to be behind a double fence or a solid wall and that's to protect them what we call the sneeze distance. So um, two metres is what most people used, uh, though in the UK they recommend three metres because um, goats have longer necks than sheep. So for sheep it's two metres and goats three metres. And so long as they can't sneeze on each other, you're pretty safe. So the first thing that people need to do then is to test all of their goats to see if they're positive, correct? That's correct. So most people use the ELISA test. In America, I'd recommend that you only use a government or a university lab. In Australia, all laboratories must be uh, accredited. And that's done by sending out um, blood samples and they have to get the, the answers correct in order to be allowed to offer that blood test. But in other parts of the world, anybody can just start up a lab and say they will test um, animals for disease. But because agriculture is a big part of Australia's economy, they only allow veterinary laboratories to offer services if they are accredited and oh. pass the proficiency tests. That's a really good point. I usually recommend that people use Washington State Diagnostic Lab because they, from them, you can, one tube of blood, they can run a test for CAE, CL, Yonis, and brucellosis. They call it their biosecurity screen. Yeah. So you're pretty safe with a government or a university lab because they have their own internal quality controls. And then once you test, um, how often do you recommend that people test again? So initially they should test once and then every six months, then stretch it out to a year. Uh, we have an accreditation program. So herds agree to abide by the rules. Their veterinarian inspects their property, makes sure they have a quarantine area make sure their fences are up to scratch, and then they sign to say that they will obey the rules. Then they have to have, to join the scheme, they have to have two negative tests six to 12 months apart, 
Then they go on annual tests. Then they go on every two years. Then they go every three years. And uh, so long as a vet uh, inspects the herd, makes sure that there's no clinical signs in that herd, the fences are still up to scratch and they have obeyed the rules, then they remain accredited. So when those people buy goats from other herds, do they have to buy them from other accredited herds to maintain their... They either have to buy from an accredited herd or they have to keep the new goat in isolation for six months until it's had two negative tests. Wow, that's great advice for anybody, even if you're not, you know, if you're not in Australia... That is a really good way to make sure that you're not going to bring CAE onto your farm. That's right. Because a blood test is only looking at the antibodies from exposure that was six weeks prior to that. And we do know with CAE that it can take a long time, six, 12 months, for that antibodies to uh, become positive on the blood test. So one test is not good enough. And if you're buying in goats, there's no point in just testing the goats you're going to buy in. You must test, must have the test results from the, all the animals in that herd because the animal that you're buying in could have been exposed to blood or milk just the day before you took the blood test, in which case it's not going to show up. So it must have a record of regular negative tests and good biosecurity in between. There's no point in just testing if you're going to go out and buy goats at an auction or show goats and mix them up with goats that are untested um, because you're just spreading potential diseases such as CAE. So in my state, Queensland, in order to be counted for what's called the Dairy Goat of the Year, and so people get points for being first, second or third in a class, they get points for championships and things like that. In order to those points to be given out, then that show must be CAE accredited. And so only animals, dairy goats that have come from an accredited herd can attend that show. Wow, that's awesome. So a quick question about using cow's milk, because you mentioned using cow's milk to raise kids as one of the possibilities. Um, would you be concerned about yonis? Yes, yeah, certainly I would be very concerned about yonis. My state actually was regarded as yonis free for dairy cattle. That's no longer the case because they've opened up the borders and anyone can introduce cattle from other states. But at the time when we were busy using cow's colostrum for raising CAE-free kids, cows in my state were yonis-free. And if it was ever found, that herd was quarantined and could only sell their dairy cows to slaughter. So what should someone do if they have a goat or two or three come back with a positive test? Then um, you must immediately try and work out how that occurred. Now, if these, for example, were newly introduced goats, you'd use them a little bit differently. So I'd gather them up and I'd put them in isolation behind a double fence 
or a solid walls so that they could no longer mix with the other goats. Now, if they had been kidding in the paddocks, if their milk was used to raise that year's batch of kids, then you might have to change that and you might have to say the whole herd is now potentially positive and start removing all the kids from this point in time and snatch birthing them and raising them on um, pasteurised goat's milk or cow's milk or artificial uh, powdered colostrum. So when you're kind of like working with two different herds, you've got all your goats over here that tested negative and then a couple over here who tested positive. Do you need to be concerned about um, having shoe covers or changing your shoes when going between them? Like is casual contact like that going to be a problem? It would be a problem for Yonis, but not really a problem for CAE. For CAE, you can actually use the same milking parlours for both the positive and the negative herds, as long as you milk the negative herd first and then wash out and clean down the milking parlour after the positive herd has been through and been milked. But you have to be very careful in regard to vaccinations. I only ever use sterile needles for each individual goat. Uh, for tattoo pliers, the um, tattoo letters and numbers must be boiled or soaked in methylated spirits. So you have to use good common sense. The CAE virus is easily destroyed with disinfectants. It's not like Yoni's disease, which is very, very difficult to destroy with um, disinfectants and also it's resistant to heat, even pasteurization. So the smart thing for people to do basically then is to only buy from other herds that have tested negative for this. And so in the U.S. where we don't have an accredited program like this, how long would you want to know that a herd had tested negative for CAE before you would feel comfortable bringing goats into your herd from them? At least a couple of years. And I'd actually want to see the lab test results. And I want to see what lab they are tested from. And I wanted to know what's the level of biosecurity in between those tests. So for any livestock diseases, some, there's some basic points for controlling it. The first one is to find out if you've got it. And if you don't, then you've got, you've got a chance to keep it out by having good biosecurity and only buying from herds which have a long history of negative tests and good biosecurity in between. The next step is to find it fast. So if you are unfortunate enough to have it, it's best to find out that you've got it before it spreads within your herd. Then you need to stop spreading. So you need to take basic precautions such as only ever using sterile needles when you're injecting your goats. Uh, never, ever feed pooled goat's milk to kids. It's just too dangerous, not only for CAE, but also for yonis and also for mycoplasma. And then you need to try and eradicate it. There's two methods that you can use for eradication. One is testing and culling. So that's basically testing frequently. So for example, every three months and culling any positives. 
Now, obviously, if you've got a very large percentage of your goats that are positive, you're culling a lot of animals, and that's why you might go then to snatch birthing, removing the kids at birth, testing them between three and six months in case some did sneak uh, either a drink from their mother or they got contaminated with blood uh, during the birth process. So you're weeding those out quickly before they can spread it. And the spread between dry goats, so this is young kids, is minimal. You have to wait until the goats are adult. Uh, so they're producing estrus mucus, they're producing milk, which have got very high numbers of white blood cells and therefore potentially very large numbers of the CAE virus. So snatch birthing the kids, testing them, and always keeping them permanently separated from any positive goats. So they're the, the methods you can use. Australia's got a national kid rearing plan um, that people can read, do a search for and read. And that has been successful in eradicating CAE. And we've now had herds which have been accredited for 20 to 30 years. Wow, that's wonderful. I had no idea that the program had been around for so long. I feel like we're yeah, way behind here. <laughs> so I think I've got a picture on my Facebook page of a lady's wall where she's got a whole range of her CAE accreditation certificates. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you also, you have so much good information on your Eradicate CAE from Australian Goat page. You've also got like your picture up at the top there with the goat with the swollen knees um, so people can get an idea of what that looks like. And just so many great articles here about what's happening in other countries and around the world. Countries who are doing a great job as well as those who are just kind of ignoring it. And it's, it's getting worse in those countries. Yeah. And it has a significant economic effect. Uh, Norway found that when they instituted snatch birthing, and rearing those kids in isolation. And then in two years' time, they got rid of all the older goats and replaced them with the new young healthy goats. That process eradicated both CAE, Yoni's disease, and caseous lymphadenitis. And they found that the new herds had a 20% increase in milk production just by eradicating those diseases. Oh, yeah. Switzerland is another country which has eradicated it. Uh, there's no clinical uh, CAE anymore in Switzerland. They have a problem because they've got some Madey Visna, which is a very similar disease in sheep. So they haven't quite eradicated it yet, but they're very, very close. And they're very strict now that you can't introduce goats into Switzerland uh, without uh, coming from a tested free herd. And they will actually trace and destroy any goats that are legally imported. You mentioned sheep just a minute ago. Um, so what would you do if somebody has sheep on their farm also? Would you be testing the sheep for OPP? Yes. Um, a lot of researchers now regard OPP and CAE as the same virus. And they call it the small ruminant lentivirus. Uh, it not only affects both sheep and goats, but also some of the wild ruminants. 
they even though they're different species, they can all be affected by the small remnant lentivirus. So that's what scientists now call it, and they regard it as a disease that affects both sheep and goats. And certainly there was a case in New Zealand where someone who ran both dairy goats and sheep for milk, they fed their lambs on some bulk milk from their dairy goats and those lambs came down with uh, arthritis and that was shown to be CAE. So it can certainly spread between species. So if you are going to manage your CAE, then you've got to be very careful about their exposure to sheep because sheep can introduce either OPP or CAE to your goats. And they can also introduce Yoni's disease to your goats as well. So it's a good idea when you're thinking about uh, your biosecurity, don't just think about goats, but also think about other livestock species that may introduce animals into your herd. So we also have an accreditation scheme for Yoni's disease, and that looks at things like um, guardian alpacas or guardian llamas and whether they could introduce um, Yoni's disease into the herd as well as um, cattle. Oh, wow. That's interesting. This has been so informative and so educational. Is there anything else that people need to know about CAE and either keeping it out of their herd to begin with or getting rid of it after they discover they have a positive animal? There's a lot of people have eradicated CAE. It can be done. It's a lot of work for a couple of years, but you will never, ever regret it because the animals are just so much healthier. They're so much happier. You don't have to worry about other diseases because CAE makes them more prone to things like worms, more prone to mastitis. And the difference between the two herds, the CAE positive and the CAE negative herds, is a real eye-opener. And once people have seen that, then there's no going back. They are converts to eradication for CAE. CAE is still around in Australia, unfortunately. It's, it's mainly just in some larger commercial herds. But it's very distressing because they quite often sell the kids to pet goat owners and then I've got to go and tell them, sorry, your goat's got CAE, there is no treatment, there is no vaccine. All I can offer is pain relief. And so some of these goats have been on pain relief every 36 hours for a year or more. Um, They don't want to destroy them, they're family pets, but they're never going to get better and eventually I'm going to have to destroy him. Wow, that is so sad. And I think most people, it's not something that most people think about if they're just completely new to goats or they've just moved to the country and think, oh, I want to get a couple goats to put in the pasture or a couple sheep. They don't realize that sheep and goats can have a disease that has no symptoms in the early stages and that can be so terribly tragic. Mm. We call... Uh, CAE and Yoni's uh, iceberg diseases. So you'll see a few cases in your herd, but there'll be a large number of carriers and a large number of goats incubating clinical signs so that when you start to see the symptoms in one or two goats, 
you're in for a hell of a lot of difficulty because you know more cases are coming. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been really, really wonderful. And um, I'd love to have you back sometime to talk about some of these other diseases that we just barely touched on today. Yep. My pleasure. And that's it for today's show. If you haven't already done so, be sure to hit the subscribe button so that you don't miss any episodes. To see show notes, you can always visit fortheloveofgoats.com. And you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash lovegoatspodcast. See you again next time. Bye for now.